0: This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony klein Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri, Anthony klein we are your hosts, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. We're back for another week, another episode here on Shack Talk. Before we jump too far into it, Anthony, uh, I got to ask you, as this podcast drops, you are, you're at wheels turning. You are headed to uh, the opposite direction of what we're going to be talking about a lot tonight, but tell us what you got ahead of us.
1: Yeah, heading uh, heading west, we're going to go out and uh, tackle the uh, expansive reservoir of Fort Peck. So going after some uh, big lake trout. Last year, we went out there, had a blast. Um, But this time around, we're going to try and maybe do a little targeting for some walleye and pike as well. So excited to try that out. Obviously, lake trout is going to be primary species just because it's one of those destinations where they're abundant and you can, you know, get into some pretty good numbers. And it's one of those stateside lake trout destinations that, you know, it's, it's one of those fisheries where you can get on fairly consistently. There are a lot of tricky things with it being a reservoir and how it freezes, when it freezes, but uh, things are looking pretty good so far this
0: year. Excellent. Have you hit the ice here close to home?
1: I have. um, Been out a little bit, kind of just bouncing around the lakes area, Detroit Lakes, uh, intermittently and had some luck. Um, Conditions, I know a lot of people were worried with all the snow we had, but the cold we had um, firmed things up pretty well. Um, Some lakes people are getting around with trucks. A lot of the other lakes. I mean, it's obviously safe to get around with the uh, ATVs and snowmobiles and which I've primarily been doing, but I was actually surprised that the conditions were as good as they were. How about you?
0: Yeah. You know, some of the just day trips here close to home within an hour or so's drive uh, that Detroit lakes area um, just hit the ice a couple of times. And then last week had a chance to make the trek over to Mille Lacs and uh, ran around out there for a, for a day. Um, you know, That fishery is amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing I I wouldn't say we were pulling fish in hand over fist but it seemed like everything we caught was in that 21 to 24 25 inch range for walleyes and I mean who's going to complain about a day of of pulling those kind of fish through the hole it was pretty fun so yeah good and uh, you know you get the in my world I've got the ice show season behind me the holidays are behind me and you know up to today or this point, any ice fishing I've had the opportunity to do has been bonus. For me, my real bulk of the ice season is ahead of me, and I'm very excited to get, get rolling on that. So it should be fun. We yeah, a lot uh, of ice season ahead of us. Yeah, a lot of ice season ahead of us. Hey, we don't want to make uh, Mr. Tollefson wait around all night listening to us chatter. Uh, let's let's bring him in. We've got our guest for the episode, Blake Tollefson. He's an outdoor writer. He is a outdoor personality and he works within the industry, uh, representing and partnering with uh, quite a number of different major brands within uh, you know, the ice fishing world. And uh, we're gonna talk Wisconsin, Wisconsin ice fishing. Blake, how you doing?
2: Good, thanks for having me guys.
0: How's the weather
1: over in Wisconsin? How's the ice conditions? Let's kick it off with that. So it, it kind of depends
2: on where you're at. Um, My neck of the woods is not terrible. Um, Things started out very, very terribly. Um, So I'm just north of the Eau Claire area. We got late ice. Uh, We got a lot of snow on top of that little ice we had. So we had a lot of unsafe lakes. We had a lot of slush. Um, Things are finally shaping up to the point where uh, people are able to take some ATVs out, depending on the lake. Uh, Snowmobile, you can go pretty much everywhere. Uh, Still no truck traffic around here. Uh, But northern Wisconsin is, they're still kind of in trouble. Um, things are a little bit all over the place up there. Some bodies of water, people are still only walking if they're willing to battle the slush. Uh, I haven't heard really any reports of any trucks or anything on the ice, but you pretty much need a snowmobile to go anywhere up there Um orbiters aren't going to get around.
0: You know, you talk about um, a little bit when you said it depends on the area, right? And one of the first things that I'm curious about, when I think of Wisconsin, I think of, you know, geographically, you've got Lake Superior on the north, Lake Michigan on the east, and then you have just a whole diversity of different regions within the state. Talk a little bit about that. Just share with us a little bit about what those some of, some of those regions are and maybe what their personality is for the ice anglers.
2: Yeah, so the area I live in, I I refer to it simply as like west central Wisconsin. So that's basically the Eau Claire area, straight west towards Hudson, um, you know, north towards, I would say, kind of that barren Rice Lake area, and then south down towards um, Pepin-Durand. So in that area of the state is primarily panfish fishing. Um, There's a lot of, you know, pretty solid crappie lakes, pretty solid uh, bluegill lakes around here. Uh, and then you get down towards the Mississippi River. It's obviously a lot of perch and things like that. That's kind of that west central Wisconsin area. A um, lot more small basin type lakes, like you're talking 200 acre lakes, and some some a little bit larger, some a little bit smaller. Um, as you go north, um, <clears throat> you know, towards that Hayward area, uh, you you kind of see more of kind of the the deeper, clear, bigger bodies of water, like your your grindstones, your lacudaries, your round lakes. Um, and those obviously are conducive to panfish, but they're also more uh, conducive to things like smallmouth and walleyes as well. You go kind of west of that Hayward area, you get into Spooner, um, Danbury, Web Lake, and then you get a lot more small kind of panfish lakes again. Um, northeastern part of, Minnesota, of Wisconsin, you have Vilas and Onitas County, um, which are just chock full of water. That's kind of like our otter tail county over here. Just lakes upon lakes, and anything you want to catch lives up there. Uh, I'm not super familiar with kind of that southeastern part of the state, but um, around that Madison area, there's only a handful of lakes that get fished primarily.
1: Lots, I suppose that depends on the conditions and everything down in the southern part of the state. Absolutely. Yep. I think that's the, the biggest limiting factor down there.
0: Okay, Blake, I'm just going to ask you, and maybe it's a little bit off on a tangent here, but before we were getting ready to record uh, this episode of Shack Talk, i you know, sitting here kind of waiting, and I flip on Instagram, and I see a picture of uh, like a fan boat, an airboat on the ice. Was that recently? Was that just something that that you got to experience as of late? Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so just last week... um, i have never been on an airboat in my life, but I just happened to have two back-to-back days, different, completely different groups of people. Um, one was an airboat trip down, um, kind of further down in the Mississippi t- towards like Ferryville, Wisconsin. Um, took an air an airboat trip with a bunch of the St. Croix crew. And then the following day, I had another trip booked with um, just a group of friends here from the Eau Claire area. Uh, and that was a little bit closer to Eau Claire. So ice conditions were totally different there than they were um, anywhere else I've been this year. It's a, a very interesting experience to be driving on ice, have the ice break through, you're in open water, and then you're back on ice again. So very, very different than anything around here.
1: Wow. Yeah, no, that's crazy. It's something I've never done, Kyle.
0: Nope, not for me.
2: It's, well, maybe, it's worth the trip.
0: Yeah, we'll have to maybe add that to the list. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Even if Even if the fishing's terrible, the experience is very very unique it's unlike anything i've ever done before
1: yeah i can imagine and targeting what were you mainly targeting uh yellow perch so it's
2: primarily mississippi river in the winter time that's kind of one of the bigger targets Um, and i was on the mississippi River both days
0: and successful
2: one day okay the other day was fantastic so
0: that's fishing right
2: yep it's all goes you can't control the fish
0: I always say if you get three days on the ice and you get one of those days, that's really good, right? It's a successful trip.
2: That's a hundred percent.
0: Cool. So Blake, I also see that you do a lot of fishing for trout. So
2: I do in this neck of the woods. Yep.
0: I want to know a little bit about that. I've, I've done it just a couple of times, you know, around here in Minnesota, North Dakota, this area, but um, really eager to learn what it's like there where you're at.
2: Yeah, so obviously all the trout lakes over here are completely stocked. So they're, everything that's in there, It's these fisheries are designed to be put and take primarily. Large majority of them, there's no natural reproduction that occurs. You might have some trout that hold over in these lakes, but um, the large majority of it is just a kind of a put and take fishery. Um, obviously, you can catch and release if you want to, um, but... In these situations like i'm i'm a big believer in catch and release um and i still will with with larger trout in these fisheries but these fisheries are designed like i said put and take so it's a good opportunity if you just want to keep some fish you want something that's a little bit different than a crappie a bluegill or a walleye but the trout fisheries are kind of the way to go
1: is there a special season for that in wisconsin
2: um, no. So we do have our stream trout season, which is different from our stocked trout season. So our stock trout season just follows the the game fish season here. So you can basically fish for them whenever game fish is open for things like walleyes, bass, and, and pike. Um, but then the stream trout season, uh, that kicks off uh, usually around the first weekend in January. There's a catch and release season that runs until fishing opener and then the stream trout, you can keep them after that point.
1: Any certain tactics or techniques for targeting those stock trout? I mean, I know in the podcast, we've talked a lot about fishing bluegills and crappies. And I mean, I think, I think our listeners have a pretty good standing of that, but you know, maybe some of the different techniques for, you know, targeting trout, anything that you would give some advice to the listeners?
2: Yeah. So, so I'm also a big panfish guy. So kind of what I found, um, at least in the lakes by me is that
1: uh,
2: trout and panfish kind of do the opposite thing. So if panfish are in shallow, like they are typically in the, the warmer months, the trout are going to be out deep and then vice versa. So in the winter time, um, the large majority of my focus on trout is uh, under 10 feet of water. They do go out to the deeper basins during the day. Um, they'll roam around, but they're always coming back in shallow. Um, Typically, I try to set up uh, some sort of structure or cover nearby, whether it's a tree in the water or a weed line or rocks or something, something that they'll typically come in, look for food, and just keep going. And trout are constantly on the move. I mean, obviously, fish are in general, but watching a trout um, on camera versus, say, a a crappie or a bass or a walleye would typically come in slow where a trout, they just come flying through, and then they come flying through so it's a, it's a totally different kind of deal than, than pan fishing or walleye fishing.
0: Live bait, artificials, what's your preferred tactic there?
2: Um, so I have found a lot of success with art, kind of a combination, I should say. So I like like little lipless crankbaits, and then either I'll tip them with a plastic or a waxworm. And both seems to work well, but lipless crankbaits, um, like a EuroTackle Z-Viber is my favorite. Uh, that's caught probably 90% of the trout in the lakes by me.
1: Nice. That's fun. have you and talking a little bit more and expanding on some of the trout bites have you ever had the opportunity to expand to some of the the harbors or the tributaries over on the east side of the state?
2: I haven't personally. It's on my list but uh, I have not been yeah. able to make it over there yet that looks like a to- on, on the to- list. Yeah, totally different game than what I'm doing.
0: Okay, so you talked about you know put and take right so they're stocked and they're there to catch um, and then you keep them, right? Yep. Or is it you keep them when you when you catch them there because they're stocked for that purpose? Um, what's your favorite way to prepare them? You bring them home, you you have them for the table. What what do you what do you do with them?
2: So my personal favorite way is on the grill. Um, a lot of people will just simply you know cut the head off, gut them. I'm not a fan of having to pick bones out of my meat. Like I just I don't like doing that. My wife is not going to eat it if she has to pick out bones. So I just fillet it like I would fillet anything else. Put it down do leave it on the skin, um, put it on tinfoil on the grill with just some a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of olive oil, and it's fantastic.
0: Nice, nice. That sounds no, that delicious. Sounds
2: fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I know we talked a little bit about the, the eastern side of the state there too. They've got the trophy caliber yes. trout over there.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I mean, we have, you know, trophy is a relative term. So yeah. we have trophy trout for our neck of the woods, you know, a, a trout in kind of that 20 inch class would definitely be a trophy trout for West Central Wisconsin, Northern Wisconsin, until you get towards Lake Superior or Lake Michigan, and then nobody cares about a fish that size. <laughs> so,
0: Here's a question for you when it comes to Wisconsin ice fishing. This is just an observation from from my perspective, and I'm really curious on your thought in terms of how Wisconsin anglers, you know, view time on the ice um last episode we talked to richard yvonne and i don't know if you caught that episode or not blake mm-hmm. but but he was just what a what a great perspective on a different part of the world a different part of the country and how ice fishing is viewed out there um but he kept talking about fish traps right fish traps this fish traps and 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 it took me a little bit but i finally caught on he's talking about tip-ups right and that's what i know them yep. as is tip-ups so i have observed that you know what. Uh, the times I've fished in Wisconsin with my friends out there, or whether it be something in the the ice fishing industry, lots of tip up fishing, a lot more tip up fishing. In fact, I remember one trip going, and and the people knew we were from Minnesota, and they had a separate spot for us to go to jig fish with with a rod and reel. They were all going to set up in an area just to set tip ups up, and and you know then they were roaming back and forth, and and a lot more social and whatnot. Tell me just a little bit about that philosophy. Is that common throughout the state?
2: Yes, it's very common. So I actually grew up in northern Minnesota. So when I moved to Wisconsin, it was like this culture shock because I'm used to drilling a lot of holes, running around, jigging for fish. And then I get over here, and you meet people like, oh, yeah, I really like ice fishing. And then you go out with them, and all they do is set tip-ups. And you're like, well, this isn't ice fishing. This is just setting tip-ups. So it's it's a very different thing. Um, I don't know if partially it has to do with that we're allowed three lines over here. Um, but it is a very different ice fishing culture. You'll meet people who like to run around and jig for fish and do that kind of thing. But there is, it, there is this big kind of culture around tip ups in Wisconsin. Um, it, lots of people I know that's all they do.
0: To me, it's, it's something I'm learning more and more of just cause I, being from Minnesota, like I was and and Anthony, um, You're just not exposed to it to the level that you are. And it's also prevalent here in the Dakotas as well. But thinking about winter fishing and the the fish and their metabolism is so slow, having a set line like that where it's stationary live bait, I mean, truly it makes a lot of sense. It's really an effective way to to present your bait in front of a fish, Um, uh, not to mention the, the whole social aspect.
2: A hundred percent. And you know, like there is a good reason to, to have a, a tip up set up a lot of times or some sort of dead stick, but to me, it just takes part of the fun out of it. I like the, I'm a very active angler, I guess. I like to run around, try to find fish that way. So it's just a very different approach than, than someone like myself is used to.
1: Yeah, it definitely uh, changes your mindset for the day when you know you're going to go set up tip ups and you know maybe set up a grill and have a have a relaxing day on the ice. Whereas yes. you know running and gunning, it uh, definitely is a different mindset, and you have to be prepared for that. I know I've got a a few buddies that like to either sit in the shack with the rattle reels down or tip ups, and it's definitely a different uh, different mindset when you're going out and you're going to spend the day attacking the ice. <laughs> right, uh, to- totally different.
0: I'll tell you what, talk about being prepared, Anthony. What I did to be prepared the next time I fished down Wisconsin waters is I made sure that I brought along some tip-ups, but I also made sure my wife swapped the flags out instead of uh, just the red flag or orange flag. I had a purple and gold Minnesota Vikings <laughs> flag. Uh, and that really grew uh, gained the attention of some of those folks over there in the state of Wisconsin
2: i'm sure it did
0: we're not
1: trying to scare away any listeners kyle uh, yeah yeah right it might was be, a little, <laughs> might be a little too soon
0: might be a little too soon, soon. Yeah. yeah
2: wisconsin was shut down today so
0: <laughs> blake i know that um you're pretty involved in the outdoor industry tell us a little bit about some of the things that that um are part of your world and what you do
2: yeah so i i work with a lot of different brands um a lot of the stuff that I, I get involved with kind of res, revolve around the, the marketing side of things. So I do a lot of writing, uh, do a lot of photography for different brands. Um, I also run social media accounts for a few different companies as well. And then the last few years been running the pro staff for a couple of
0: companies as well. Excellent. That's uh, that's getting involved to a, a, a different level than uh, a lot yes. of us are involved in, and and congratulations! You were also awarded uh, a photography award. Uh, you mentioned photography, but the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers uh, recognized your work here this past year, and uh, you took home a trophy there. So great job! Yeah,
2: thank you. I appreciate that. It's
0: always it's always fun to see ice fishing recognized in some of those greater outdoor organizations right Uh, i think a lot of times hunting and 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 open water fishing take much of the spotlight but um you know you see that ice fishing in there too it's it's really rewarding
2: yeah it's very cool yep they a lot of those organizations are definitely very focused on hunting and open water fishing so it's nice to throw a little mix in there you know make sure they get a taste of, of what we deal with
1: up here absolutely I know before the the podcast we were talking a little bit about uh, coming over and visiting Minnesota and we were talking about different lakes and surveys and things. Um, how about Wisconsin? Do they have pretty good resources for, you know, trying to find information on lakes and areas to target?
2: Um, it's different information. So it, the, there is information available, but not to the level that it's available in Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, Minnesota DNR, you can find information readily available as to, all the fish species that are found in a lake. um, You can find the the sizes that were found in the latest survey. Wisconsin doesn't have that. If you want that information, typically you can get it from somebody who works for the DNR, but it's not readily accessible. Um, Instead, what the the DNR does over here is they classify a lake, um, the species abundance into, uh, it's either abundant, common, present, or non-existent. So, (sighs) it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, you don't, you know, you could go to a lake that is abundant for crappies, but that could just mean that there's thousands of six inch crappies in there and you won't know until you get there. So it, it's a little bit different, um, but like I said, you can get some of that information from from a local DNR person if you need it.
0: Well, still the, the information as to whether they're abundant or not present or somewhere in between. I mean, regardless of size structure, that's still really helpful information.
2: Yes, it definitely helps. It can, you know, it helps you decide whether or not a lake, if you're targeting walleyes, if there's not even walleyes present in the lake, well, you know, you're not going to fish that lake. So it is helpful information. Um, what the the advantage I would say uh, that we have over here is our stocking database. Um, it's a very, very extensive stocking database that the DNR puts a lot of effort into. Uh, very easy to find which lakes have, which species stocked. When they were stocked, it goes back to the 70s. Um, so that is a really helpful tool that we have here that I know there is that stuff available in Minnesota, but the, the resource over here seems to be a little bit more improved, I would say.
1: No, absolutely. I think that's a a good tool for people to use, um, any other advice for somebody that's, you know, maybe either looking to get to Wisconsin, trying a new lake, lives in Wisconsin, wants to branch out a little bit, um, you know, what else advice would you give somebody that's maybe heading to a different part of the state that they're maybe not familiar with?
2: Uh, there's a lot of great tools online. I, I mean, Obviously, you hate to say, um, you know, look at the old reports, but sometimes you can find some great information on those old reports. I know if I'm going to an area I've never been before, I go look back as far as I can get back on Lake Link and whatever other sites just to see, you know, maybe they were catching this, this and this and, you know. Ten feet of water. Um, that's super helpful information. Reach out to a local bait shop. Uh, a lot of times, they're more than willing to to spill secrets because they want people to come to the area, stopping at their bait shop. Uh, Outdoor News has a great tool. They have their the weekly fishing reports. So if I'm going to a new area, I'm always checking that thing out as well. Um, reach out to people you know online. I I don't hesitate to do that if I know them. Um, you know, maybe just throw a list of lakes past them and see. Hey, are these worth trying or not?
1: No, yeah. I think that's great advice. I know in both Minnesota and North Dakota, I'm assuming Wisconsin has something similar, you know, an ice fishing page on social mm-hmm. media that, you know, guys will kind of throw some advice out there. And, you know, sometimes you you only get what you put into it, but uh, sometimes yeah. there's some some bits and pieces you can pick through and, and get some information out of it as well.
2: Absolutely.
0: You know, then there's the, the good old-fashioned way, like, like the old guys like me have to rely on, which is when you're out and about, and really, truly, any time of the year, right? Uh, you're out and about, and it's maybe an area that you haven't fished or aren't familiar with just to swing into that local bait shop. And uh, even if it's July, to ask about what things are like in that area during the winter and, and ice conditions, accessibility, fishing, I mean, you name it. There's just so much information you can gather from, from those locals, uh, whether it is online or in person.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, The
2: biggest thing is jot it down. I can't tell you how many things I've learned from somebody that I've forgotten because I didn't put it in my phone or write it down somewhere. Like, I swear there was a good lake around here, but I don't remember which one it is, you know. Yep. It's, yep.
1: As we kind of rounded the corner um, after the first of the year, I know a lot of areas start to have some – ice fishing competitions or gatherings or different things. Um, what type of events go on in Wisconsin? Um, anything that would be interest of people trying to come and visit and maybe experience something new?
2: Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, smaller local ice derbies, um, especially in the Eau Claire area. Lake Wissota is kind of the biggest lake in our neck of the woods. It's 6,600 acres. And there's usually a handful of, of ice fishing derbies that happen out there every year, uh, as well as Altoona, which is one of the, the bigger lakes in the Eau Claire area. Um, Check check Facebook pages is probably the best place. It seems like most of these people are advertising these online. Otherwise, um, there is a list of tournaments and derbies on the DNR website as well because they have to get a permit. Um, so you can find out a lot of information that way.
0: I would also add too. Uh, you know, if you're a a student listening to this, if you're if you're a, a ice fishing enthusiast who has you know kids or or grandkids or or whatnot. Wisconsin has a really extensive um, and very very widespread high school ice fishing um, network and league, and there's a lot of opportunities there for young folks. I think that's something that uh, maybe some of us in the other states we can we can learn a little bit from. More of our efforts are focused in open water, and and um, I've done a little bit of looking there, and and they do a really nice job of getting the students out on the ice.
2: That's good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I have a young daughter and. I'm hoping that she she avoids the other sports and gravitates towards the the fishing and hunting side, but it's a little selfish, I guess.
0: Or do it all. I mean, I know a lot yeah. of uh, the student anglers in in our area. You know they they play the other sports. They're in music. They're in drama, and they do the fishing too. Which I, I mean, yeah. you know what? To do it all yeah. while you can when you're young, yeah. like that. Exactly. Try it all. See what yeah. you like. And especially if it's through the school,
1: I mean, they, like you said, they've got great programs. You get to experience, you know, different bodies of water, usually get some, some gear or some promo stuff. I know the brands like to, you know, sponsor and uh, put those, um, put those products in the kids' hands and get them exposure to them. And so, I mean, it'd be fun. I know selfishly, I wish that was going on when I was in high school. I would have signed <laughs> yep, up for that same. in a heartbeat. But, uh, you know, if there's anybody listening or anybody that's got kids that's listening, you know, make sure to, like Kyle said, check that out. Uh, a lot of great programs in Wisconsin for for ice fishing, which would be really cool.
0: It's super. It's, it's awesome. Uh, Blake, I don't, you know, if you've if you followed along with Shaq Talk this season, Anthony and I have kind of done a little uh, ice advice. We like to tap into your experience and expertise and, and do a little roundtable with that. I know up till uh, up till now in all of our episodes, I've kind of let out with the first question. Let's flip-flop it, Anthony. Let's get, uh, you can lead out the first one and I'll, uh, I'll follow it up.
1: All right. This actually kind of ties in with our our conversation that we had a little bit around dead sticks and tip-ups. You know, we had a question that came in and it said, um, you know, how and where do you set up tip-ups or dead sticks when you're you're out fishing? And I know it's kind of a broad question and most of the time people are fishing for walleyes or pike with tip-ups, but uh, any advice that you would give to our listeners on, you know, where to set up tip-ups or dead sticks, I know tip-downs and some of that other stuff are, are pretty popular now. Um, any advice for, for our listeners?
2: Yeah, for me, anytime it makes sense, I set up a dead stick. Uh, so if I'm going to sit and fish in a specific area, I'm definitely going to, in Wisconsin, we're allowed three lines, so I'm going to have my the one that I'm jigging with, and then I'm going to set out two dead sticks. Um, if I'm going to be more mobile, that's, you know, going to, it's less likely that I'm going to take the time to set one up just because I don't want to have to pack everything up every time I want to hop quickly to a new spot. Um, For me here, I I rely on dead sticks a lot for both trout and for crappies. I do not do a lot of walleye fishing here in Wisconsin. Um, Primarily what I'm doing is setting those up in just a little bit different area than the the area that I'm trying to cover as I'm walking around and jigging. Um, I look for some sort of cover or structure edge um, like particularly with with trout in particular, um, I like to set that up maybe right along a weed line. Uh, it gives them the the fish kind of a good ambush point as they're following that weed line. See that that minnow hanging there. Um, seems to work well that way.
0: Kyle, how about you? What are your tactics for running tip ups or dead sticks? You know, as I said earlier, it's it's kind of an area of of angling that I'm still learning about, and uh, that makes it fun. Uh, learned a lot last spring fishing that day with you, Anthony, you and Mike up on uh, Lake of the Woods there, targeting big pike, and just the, the idea of spreading your lines and your presentations out over a large area. Uh, I've also done it w- uh, on a little different perspective, a little different approach, uh, like you you know fishing up on Lake Winnipeg, for instance, um, or any of the other fisheries you know that that you might target. Some of the game fish having a dead stick and then an active like an attractor lure. Uh, You mentioned Blake the uh, lipless cranks, right? And Lake Winnipeg is famous for that for walleyes and you know ripping on the the lipless crank live target. You know rip and wrap whatever it might be. And uh, sometimes those fish will come into that, but they won't actually commit to biting it. But if you have a dead stick sitting right next to it they might just slide off and, and eat that dead stick.
1: No, I think that's great advice. I know myself too. I know kind of similar to what Blake had mentioned, setting up on structure. If I'm sitting somewhere, a lot of times I'll like to set tip ups or dead sticks and cover some depth, you know, maybe throw one behind me that's deeper, one up shallower, you know, and if you start getting hits one versus the other, you kind of know, Hey, maybe I need to move in shallower or move out deeper and, you know, use it kind of more as an indicator to to where maybe the fish are traveling and, Don't pigeonhole yourself into one certain depth. You know, give yourself some flexibility to move around. Uh, I've had some good luck with that, especially mornings and evenings. You know, those fish tend to slide out from shallow to deep and kind of backwards in the the evenings from deeper to shallow. And sometimes you'll get lucky and capitalize on a few extra bites having uh, those dead sticks or tip-ups out.
0: Great, great information. Great information. Okay, Blake, here's the one we've had as a consistent theme throughout the season, okay? And um, the question is, which in your mind, and your experience, is more difficult to catch? 30-inch walleye, 40-inch pike, 50-inch muskie. doesn't necessarily have to be through the ice, although we could limit it to that, but we're, we're kind of open to at least to start with to see which you think is more difficult. Uh, or a 15-inch crappie, 15-inch perch. Or an eleven-inch bluegill.
2: It's every and listen. I've listened to every one so far, and this is one of the hardest questions to answer because it's really dependent on the area you live in yep. um, more than anything. I mean, that's if you live on Lake of the Woods, your chances of catching a thirty-inch walleye are a lot better than catching an eleven-inch bluegill. Um, right. In the area that I live in, in this part of Wisconsin, I would say an 11-inch bluegill is an almost impossibility. So I'm going to go with an 11-inch bluegill, specifically for my neck of the woods. Um, man, that's really tough. 50-inch muskie, those happen around here. Um, there's a lot of musky water in Wisconsin. Um, I know a lot of people that have caught a 50-inch muskie. I know a handful of guys that have caught 40-inch uh, pike. You can go down to the Mississippi River and catch 15-inch perch. Um, But 15-inch crappies, um, those are tough to catch, but I would say an 11-inch bluegill is even harder to catch.
0: What about your personal experience? How many of those have you checked off your list?
2: Um, Walleye, crappie, gotten close on a bluegill, close on a pike, um, close on a muskie. So... I got two out of those, I guess.
0: Kind yeah, of and more
2: 15 is I, I mean, I
1: think it's, you know, it, and I know we get it a lot of times from the listeners and and just as the group of guys that we hang out with too, it's, you know, that, that's definitely kind of that, that line, right? Like you're trying to always attain and, um, you yep. know, working towards. And like you said, it really depends on where you go and where you fish. And, you know, some people fish the waters where those fish are more prevalent and others, you know. Have to work a little bit harder to to get on some of those species. Right.
2: Yep. Yeah. You know, it's uh. Yeah. It's so geographical driven. Um. I think more than anything, you can't catch a 15 inch crappie if a 15 inch crappie doesn't exist in the lake you fish. It's simple as it is. Um. You have to have those fish there to catch them. So How if you don't, you're, you're probably not going to.
0: <laughs> I find it interesting to listen to to some of the folks in. You know, you run across either out on the ice or or wherever it might be that you have that conversation. But some people are truly driven by those marks, right, or their personal bests, and and wanting to always improve and always improve. And and still yet others, you'll hear, they just want to get away. They want to get away from the grind. They want to get away from work. They want to get it just out, away and relax on the ice or, or have a laugh with their buddies. And and they just they could care less about you know, catching a trophy fish. They just want to get out and have some fun. And uh, like, I always think that's, that's the two sides of it, right? You know, you, the hardcore, we want to get the, the trophy trophy, but we want to enjoy our time out there and have some fun. And, and then for me, it's always trying to balance, you know, doing all of it, right. Doing both of those yep. things.
2: Yeah, it is. It's, that's a tough part, you know, and a lot of times for me, it's kind of, who am I fishing with? If I'm going to fish with my family or some of my friends, it's, this is going to be a relaxing day. We're just staying in this area. This is all we're doing. But if I'm out by myself with some, some other friends, like we're going to find the biggest fish we can find.
0: You mentioned that you have a daughter. Yes. How old is your daughter? Does she come out on the ice with you? Um, Tell us just a little bit about your family, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah. um, She's almost two. Um, Had her out on the ice once last year. And then I'm sure we'll get her out a handful of times this year. So
1: no, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, had her in
2: the boat quite a few times over the summer. So um, I think I think she'll hopefully she likes the ice more than she did last year. I mean, she was only one last year, so it was a little bit tough for her to kind of walk around and do anything. But I think this year, hopefully, is a different story. She loves loves seeing fish when I bring them home. Loves digging in the middle bucket. So she definitely likes fish.
0: You know, it's fun to watch. Kids are really fun, like that those young age, right? The baby, the one year old, up to but but where you're at right now is where in my mind where where it gets fun as an as an outdoor parent or for me a grandparent right because now yes. it's not just that they're our little kid or our little grandkid it's like oh all of a sudden they start loving to dig in the minnow bucket or they understand yep. what it means to catch a fish so yeah you're in for some great times
2: for sure
1: well, Blake, I don't know. Um, I think we covered most of what we wanted to talk about. Um, you know, really appreciate you having on. If anybody has any questions for your area, Wisconsin, um, what's a good way for them to, to get in contact with you?
2: Yeah, um, social media is a great way. Otherwise, email to uh, Blake.Tollefson at Gmail. That or probably Instagram are the two best places to get a hold of me. Um, if anybody has any questions or ha- coming over to this neck of the woods, um pretty much anywhere in Northern Wisconsin, I'll try and point you in the right direction.
1: No, that's great. And I know we'll be in contact I know you're kind of heading our direction soon. So, uh, if we don't, Absolutely. hopefully we'll maybe be able to cross some paths or at least point you in the right direction and, and give you some, some advice, uh, and for any of our listeners too, you know, feel free to reach out to any of our guests, Kyle or myself. Um, always happy to point someone in the right direction. I know, as an ice fishing community, you know, sometimes it's hard to get that information. The, a lot of guys like to hold it pretty tight to the vest, but um, I think helping people out, pointing them in the right direction, I might not give you my waypoints, but I'll, I'll tell you if you're on the right track uh, and give you some of that information. So, um, feel free to reach out to us. Um, thanks again to Eskimo for allowing us to have the shack talk podcast and bring in these great guests every week. And from Kyle, myself and Blake, um, everybody that's listening, get out, enjoy some ice fishing and be safe on the water. We'll talk to you next time.